What is happening, blogheads? Welcome to Mahan's Blogcast. Lockdown 3 edition. I hope you are feeling better about it than I am. Quick announcement. There is a January sale on the Man with the Mirror Face. It's just a good time to get into reading. And from what people have been saying, they're really enjoying it. So I think hopefully it can bring a bit of light to this. Yeah, wintry, dark situation. Um, not to be too more morbid about it, but <laughs> I think we could all do with a bit of crack. And also, I'm trying to expand my mailing list. So my resolution for 2021 is to get a thousand people on my mailing list. So if you're not already on there, go to the website, go to the footer. There's ones on basically every page. Throw your email in there and I'll send you the good stuff every week. Also, exclusive deals, latest, and maybe some free goodies by the looks of things. You know, that's free sounds pretty good to me. That's probably the best price that there is. And this week, we have seven steps to become a creative entrepreneur. I just like, this information is just falling out of my ears at this point. I've read, you know, six or seven books. I've been listening to nonstop Tim Ferriss. I'm so pumped about it that I just felt I should really share with anybody that's starting out doing something, a blog, a podcast, starting your own website. These are all the things I wish I knew when I started, and they will save you a lot of hassle. I'm a big fan of the quote, measure twice and cut once. Starting out in the right foot is much easier than having to go back and do it all again. Trust me, I have had to do that several times. So without further ado, here is Chris Bent with the intro and seven steps to become a creative entrepreneur. Boom. Seven steps to become a creative entrepreneur. There's never been a better time to be a creative person, to start your own following, sell your own wares, and be an independent artist. So why is anybody still waiting around? It's because of a dream, a fantasy. Some fat guy in a suit smoking a cigar is going to shuffle over and say, Kid, you're going to be a scar. I'm going to do all the work. We're going to make loads of money together. I hate to burst your bubble, but that doesn't happen anymore. Thanks to many other founders and thinkers, I've realized that technology has radically changed and democratized creativity. The old vanguard is on the way out. How special is a publishing house when anyone can have one? How important is a giant magazine when one or two people can run one that's just as successful? Why do you need exhibitions when you can buy straight from an artist on Instagram? Traditional media is being dwarfed in many cases by independent media and we all live in our own little microcosms of content. The internet is not a macrocosm. What is mainstream for one person is niche for somebody else. We are all occupying our own little worlds online. So who is furnishing these unique bubbles? Sometimes businesses, sometimes corporations, but also for a large part, it is creative entrepreneurs. So there is an unparalleled opportunity for artists of every variety to become creative entrepreneurs and connect directly with their audience. No middlemen necessary. This allows individuals to make their passion into one-person businesses with about the same overheads of buying a new phone. 
It's pretty crazy. We really are living in the second renaissance. And I really feel more people should get involved. So number one, if you're a creative entrepreneur, first of all, what is your goal? This is a very important leaping off point in any mission. What am I actually aiming to do with this business, blog, podcast, etc.? If you, like me, are aiming to be self-sufficient from your art and not a massive corporation, then here it is. The Technium by Kevin Kelly, which I highly recommend and have included a link to in the blog post. To be a successful creator, you don't need millions. You don't need millions of dollars or millions of customers, millions of clients or millions of fans. To make a living as a craft person, photographer, musician, designer, author, animator, app maker, entrepreneur or inventor, you need only thousands of true fans. Most of us believe that to be a successful artist you need to be Drake, but the reality is far from that these days. In Kevin Kelly's estimation, you need a thousand true fans, the kind who are invested in your work and who will buy whatever you do. This is good news because you might not be as far away from the prize as you think. Even if you have 100 true fans, which might look measly on Instagram, you're actually one-tenth of the way there. My goal is to make writing my day job. I don't want to spend eight hours somewhere that doesn't benefit my work anymore. So a process like this, becoming a creative entrepreneur, starting my own business, which I don't need permission for or to wait on anybody else, can help me achieve that aim on my own time. Money is always a means to an end. Money gives you freedom. But with the tools these days, we already have so much freedom. The money is really just the cherry on top. When you first set up your platform, you can worry a lot about brands and logos, about pages, and this stuff is important. But you really need the fundamentals down first. These are like the exterior of the car, the headlights, the bumper, while the fundamentals are the engine, really, that's going to drive the thing. I really subscribe to the advice, measure twice and cut once, after so many numerous mistakes. So what do you want? What is your business plan? Do you want a thousand people on your mailing list? Do you want to sell your artwork? If so, how much? Do you want a podcast with a million downloads? Whatever it is, you need to know what you want because this will shape how you set up the rest of your business. And better to do it beforehand rather than realizing afterwards and having to change everything, which I've had to do multiple times. The second thing you want to figure out is, what is your niche? The way to do this is to find a subculture you already belong to, which could be a type of music, a genre of art, Whatever you're really into that is specific to you. In my case, I read and listen to a lot of self-help and personal development nonfiction. I'm really an absolute junkie for self-improvement. I can't even read a book anymore if I don't feel like it's developing me in some way. Reading for fun? What? So it makes sense for me to choose this niche because I'm already involved in this subculture and it occupies a lot of space in my mind. If you don't do this, you'll burn out and lose interest. So what is a subculture that you're part of that you'd like to get involved in? You don't need to appeal to everybody when you do this. You need to appeal to a small number of people who are passionate about the same thing as you. The best advice I've heard is to scratch your own itch, i.e. what is missing from the subculture that you would like to see there. In my case, this is pragmatic self-help. 99% of self-help is vague, one-size-fits-all garbage, with no grounding in philosophy, evolutionary thought and has about as much use as a wet willy. It's all about making you feel better while not dealing with any of the issues.
I want more specificity. So this is why I write practical self-help. It might not be for everyone, but the advice is going to be useful if it is for you. So within your chosen subculture, what is missing? Step three, create a new category. In this sense, within your niche, when you create something that wasn't there before, you are starting your own subcategory. For more on this, you should read the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. This is a very good idea because if you join another category, you are immediately behind and must compete with everybody else that was there before you. If you are the first person to create a new category, then you are not competing with anybody else. As Naval Ravikant says, be yourself because nobody can do that better than you can. You are automatically Xing out a lot of the competition by creating your own category. So it is the best way to begin a new business. So what is your subculture? What is missing from the subculture? And then what is the new category that you are bringing to it? Step four, making a platform. So once you have your niche, subculture and category, you need to build a platform, a website, social media, blog, podcast, infrastructure, whatever it is. My plan was initially to get on every social media possible and link them all to a website and then have a mailing list on that website where I can connect with people directly. I'm not convinced now that this was the best idea. Certain platforms will be better for certain business ventures. Artists have an advantage on Instagram. Facebook is good for books. LinkedIn for any sort of professionals. YouTube could be better than podcasting. There are always trade-offs and you only have a finite amount of time. So you should consider which social media is best for your business. You might need to try out a few before you figure out what fits, but more is not always better. For instance, when I started the blogcast, I assumed that because I could reach more people, it would be better for the website. However, traffic to the blog went down, obviously, because I've split my audience across different platforms and more people are listening on, say, Spotify than going to the actual website. So I might have killed my own blog by trying to expand it. My point is that bigger is not always better. My advice is to begin with one medium and master it. So if you're doing a blog, just do the blog. If you're doing a podcast, just do the podcast. Um, you don't want to complicate your business model before you've actually got it into the minds of your audience. There is an element of sacrifice in plotting out your business. You can't be all things to all people. You have to be a craftsperson to be known in people's minds for one thing. So make sure you do one thing, you know exactly what it is, and not try and do everything else. Step five, an experimental mindset. Completely contradictory to what I just said, it is nearly impossible to know these things ahead of time. So forgive yourself for failing constantly. As an entrepreneur, at the beginning, you're flying an invisible spaceship, and for the first while, you just have to press buttons to learn what's what, and you need to take some chances. Which brings me to this piece of advice. For the first year, keep an experimental mindset. I said to myself, no matter what the numbers are, even if one person reads my blog a week for the next year, I'm going to see what works and not judge myself. Now, I have judged myself. I've sat there hours on end staring at numbers going, why does everybody hate me? But then you need to grab hold of yourself and say, it's not about the numbers. The numbers only make sense over time. That's the thing about analytics. You need a lot of them to be able to interpret them. So don't worry about slow growth as long as you're actually heading towards your goal. As Seth Godin said, 
you don't want to go viral. You want to go fungal. Also in the 22 immutable laws of marketing, it's the difference between being a fad and a trend. Slow growth across time is optimal. Step six, outsource. When I first set up my platform, I had time. I'm somewhat technically gifted, but it still turned out to be a massive heap. Only afterwards did I learn about websites like Fiverr and Upwork, where you can hire freelancers to do things for you. My advice is to outsource everything you can't do yourself to professionals. If you can't do it, hire someone else to do it. I know money is always the problem, but you will drive yourself up the wall and expend all your patience and energy, which you should be using really for your profession. If it's writing, you should be writing. If it's podcasting, you should be podcasting. If it's art, you should be doing art. So while you have to kind of be a business person and also a creative, outsource as much as possible. Outsource, outsource, outsource. Get comfortable with other people being involved in your business and doing what you can't. You'll be have a much easier time of it and be a much more productive enterprise overall. Step seven, automation. Routine is an automation of skills. So when you have your routine, you no longer need to think about each step and waste needless energy planning. To automate your processes, create an SOP, Standard Operating Procedure. Basically, you need to break your process into steps and then work through it, removing unnecessary steps to make the automation as efficient as possible. So the next time you write a blog, make a piece of art, a podcast, write down each step as you go. For example, this is my process with the blog. Sunday, outline on phone. Monday, one hour max, write a draft on the computer and edit. Tuesday, second day writing, one hour max. Read out loud and edit. Grammarly, article finished on Tuesday. Wednesday, recording and finalizing, one hour max. Record, edit the recording, schedule the post with Hootsuite and Squarespace. Add text, add image with pixel, add carousel, add tags, add categories. Nine, prepare social media message. Then Thursday, 10, post to Instagram and Facebook. 11, add a story to Instagram and Facebook. This is 11 steps. However, as you can see, actually, because of the Hootsuite edition, a social media manager, which I highly recommend, being able to schedule posts ahead of time takes a lot of stress out of it. Um, but thanks to this technology, I now don't have to do steps 10 and 11. So I can do those on Wednesday, and Thursday is hands-free. I mean, I will check to make sure everything goes through all right, but that's it. When I first started out before automating, this was nearly a 16-step process. I was getting tired sick, stressed. However, now it is down to nine, thanks to the addition of automation, and so much more manageable. See 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss for more on this. Some good apps also are IFTT, If This Then That, Zapier, and also a special tip for blogs. Your blog has an RSS feed, which is a sort of ready-made radio channel for your content. So any distributor that allows you to have an RSS feed can broadcast your content immediately. One example of this is with MailChimp, the mailing list provider. You can automatically send RSS updates to your mailing list subscribers rather than emailing them each individually. Little hacks like this build up to save time and create freedom to do what you actually want to do, which is be creative. Highly recommend automating everything that you can. The most important point is to have fun, to allow yourself to enjoy the discoveries and transformations and not get too bogged down in the numbers. This is easy to say and harder to follow, but keeping the experimental mindset alive is the key. 
I'm always going into this as a learning experience and failure is a big part of learning. And sometimes the toughest lessons set you up for your biggest victories. As Kurt Vonnegut said, the truth is we know so little about life. We don't really know what the good news is and what the bad news is. So keep showing up and don't give up just before the tide breaks. Some additional reading would be The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, Small Giants, 80-20 Principle, and The 4-Hour Workweek, Tim Ferriss. Great people to listen to, Seth Godin, Tim Ferriss, Naval Ravikant, and Kevin Kelly.